Welcome to Animorphs Anonymous, the podcast where we casually discuss the Animorphs one book at a time. I'm Casey. And I'm Alex. And we're going to talk you through the plot of each book. But more accurately, take you on tangent trips, factoid forays, and say, well, actually, as much as possible. Join us on the 1st and the 15th of each month, and we'll take you along on our mission. And we promise to have you back under the two-hour time limit. Ladies and gentlemen, I have a grave announcement to make. Incredible as it may seem, both the observations of science and the evidence of our eyes lead to the inescapable assumption that those strange beings who landed in the Jersey farmlands tonight are the vanguard of an invading army. Let's discuss this book. This book. This book was anxiety-inducing for me as a person. I fucking hated this book. (laughs) (laughs) I thought from everything you told me that you found it compelling. So this is a development for me. No, I hated it so much. Like, the best part of this book was like the first couple chapters. And then afterwards, it just got worse and worse and worse. And by the end, I was just screaming. I was so fucking mad. Yeah. I can't even. Yes. I... Right up until the last chapter, completely conflated this book with the Rachel book that we already read, like, goddamn, a year ago, where she, Mm -hmm. we had that alternate future. So the whole time I was like, right, this is the one where Rachel is evil and taken over by the Yerks and it's the alternate Elemist future. And I kept thinking that and and then I kept going like, no, wait, like, this doesn't seem right. Like, I feel like we've already talked about that but like i i the whole time i'm like okay okay and then right up until the point where we got to rachel and i'm like fuck i've misremembered all of this and then like the last few chapters after that i'm like don't be a dream sequence don't be a dream sequence don't be a dream sequence that we got to the end and it's like fuck (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) i just the fact that we already had that rachel future like this is what's gonna happen if the yorks won the war or whatever Mm mm-hmm and the mm-hmm. fact that that was told within only a few chapters, only those few chapters were much more compelling than anything that happened in this book, I thought. Yes, agreed. Um, I agree. I totally agree. Well, and the thing about this book that I think I hated, because I've had a few days to kind of ruminate on why I didn't like it. Yeah. It just stripped away everything that I love about Animorphs. It stripped away the kids, because we were all in, like, adult Jake's perspective for the whole time. Spoilers. Yeah. Um, it... There was basically no morphing in this book, and everyone just fucking kind of (laughs) sucked. Like, you know, like, Mm -hmm. Cassie was not herself. She was, like, a different person, and I I was, the disconnect between, like, the Cassie that we know and love and this person, I was like, no, absolutely not. And just, I don't know. It just, it didn't feel like an Animorphs book to me. (laughs) (sighs) Yeah. I, so... I completely, like, even remembering it, I completely confused this one with the Rachel book. So I thought I was really excited for it. And, like, I went into it, like, really, like, yeah, this is a pretty good book. Because those few chapters in that Mm -hmm. last book, apparently, in my mind, created an entire book. Yeah. So when I, like, went into it, I was, like, really excited. I'm like, oh, this is going to be good. And then, like, the more I read it, the more I'm like, yeah, okay, I remember this. Yeah, I remember this. And then, like... I kept going, and it just kept getting, like, just weirder and weirder. And, mm-hmm. like, uh, the writing quality mm-hmm. was actually pretty good, oh. I would say. Like, I... did you think it sucked? 
I actually disagree. I did not like the way it was written. Um, like, I feel like the author tried to infer what was happening at times, but I was already so overwhelmed with, like, the descriptions and it was... That's the other thing. It was like nonstop action sequences. There were absolutely mm-hmm. there was absolutely no time to just like relax and breathe and take in everything. It was just nonstop, like moving, moving, doing things. And I just got so confused and I was so lost anytime somebody ended up somewhere. And I just like I, I could barely wrap my head around it. And it was just like the entire book. And it's like, you know what? I don't like being this confused for this long. <laughs> Okay, so this is where I think, like, the way that I read it probably affected this, because I really enjoyed the nonstop action because it was, like, drawing me through the book. And there was a couple times where, like, the chapters didn't seem like they should be separated where they were, so, like, I'd read through two chapters just because it, like, flowed really well. But also, like, after every single chapter, I'm stopping and writing notes. And, like, so (laughs) I have a lot of... And, like, I have to go back and, like wait, am I remembering this in the right order? And But I do that a lot. So, like, it, for me, it, like, didn't raise any red flags of, like, oh, this is okay. bad that I have to go back and reread it because that's just kind of how I operate when I'm taking notes. Yeah, that's that's so a good this, point. Yeah, so probably I was in a different plane of space when I was reading this Yeah, one. you could actually, like, take the time and kind of absorb what was happening and like recap it basically when when i was just reading it straight i i did have to go back and read sections because i was so confused about what had just happened and it it made the whole experience kind of a slog if i'm honest well i'll agree the experience was a slog it took me as you know like 10 fucking hours to read this as soon as you said that i was like i understand (laughs) yeah because it was literally like i'd put down a chapter and i'd be like okay now what? <laughs> like, what do I say about this? And uh, everything that happened after the kitchen scene was like, oh, this is bullshit. This is fucking bullshit. Like, mm-hmm. I hated everything past that scene. Mm-hmm. And, like, that's where my main gripe with the book is. But up to the kitchen scene, like, it's kind of like a fun, like, action-packed book. And, like, I like the fact that Jake kind of starts to... He kind of takes on the Cassie role in this book at one point where he's like, I can sense that this is kind of the undercurrent of what's happening. And I liked parts of that, but yeah, the ending is just kind of crap. Um, the ending's totally crap. Just yeah. fuck. Yeah. I and I, I mean, I didn't, I thought that the writing was actually pretty good. And uh, let me get to the wikipedia real quick because we've had this author before if the note is right i know one of them around this time is wrong but um ellen garrow did this one and Mm -hmm. we've seen her before so give me a moment (laughs) while you look that up um i was when i saw the cover for this book i was actually pretty excited because i'm like "Ooh, jake is morphing into a man like are we gonna have to like kidnap one of the high-ranking controllers and impersonate him because I'm, like, all on board for that. But, no, it was <laughs> something horrible. Yeah. It is it is horrible. In much the same way that all of our lives became horrible and terrifying as we become adults, so does Jake's. Uh, <laughs> Real-life comparisons. <clears throat> I think the other oh, yeah. thing that threw me off about this book was we were coming off of Megamorphs 4, which... Mm-hmm 
was very different, but kind of the same in the fact that it's like an alternate timeline sort of situation. Mm-hmm. But instead of going like forwards in time, we kind of went back in time. And that was just like all kids all the time. So I think yeah. I loved that. And I think it was also the fact that I personally preferred Applegate's writing over this. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. Applegate's writing is... I think that's totally why I thought this was just that few chapters from yeah. from the book where Rachel was evil. Like, that's... Because those few chapters left such a big impression on me compared to this entire fucking book. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think I, think uh. I was just spoiled by that those few chapters and the last book Mm -hmm. and so coming into this one it was kind of (laughs) like all right yeah but yeah most of my notes is just yelling after about halfway through so (laughs) this will be i'll I'll try to curb my rage a little bit but there was plenty of of rage and indignancy (laughs) that's acceptable um and the last time we saw ellen garo was she wrote the tobias book where he gets tortured oh seriously yeah oh no like i don't know (laughs) i'm sorry i like maybe maybe it was all fine but i i don't know it's see i don't know i i'll i'll maintain that i thought that the writing was good because i enjoyed the fast pace of it but yes i also spent so much time with it <laughs> yeah i don't know so i think i'll i think i'll my opinion might change a little bit as we go through the recap but yeah well let's find out let's okay recapping <laughs> okay the animorphs are fighting for their lives and they are almost beaten shock troops are coming at them pouring down the staircases and jake can hear in marco's ragged thought speak that he is at the end of his strength Jake is exhausted and only finding the ability to move because his own guts are spilling out of his stomach and he knows it's him or the other guy and he would be dead otherwise. Rachel is trying to fight, but she's been blinded by gashes all across her grizzly bear face and is just blindly swiping around her. A few Horkbajer rush her seeing that she's blinded, so Tobias swoops in and takes out one of them and then Cassie joins in to push them off of her. Another Horkbajer comes after Jake when a tailblade flaps over his head, saving him. It's Axe, who warns him if they don't leave now, they're never leaving. Jake tells Axe to duck, and a horpageur comes flying over their heads, slamming into a pipe nearby, which fills the room with steam, obscuring everyone's vision. Jake orders them out now, and heads towards a large overhead door, slamming into the control panel, and then pushing it up with all of his strength. The team starts to duck and roll under the door, and then Jake tells Marco to get Rachel and go, but he's way too far away. They can't make it, and Marco tells him to just go. Jake weighs lose two or lose the entire team before rolling out from under the door and letting it start to close like a guillotine. Cassie says, you can't leave them, but it's too late. And that's chapter one. <laughs> Hooray! It doesn't pull any punches. Yep. <laughs> um, so violent. <laughs> so violent, and... Uh, I'm just gonna go immediately into chapter two because this was that was a weird chapter break. Well, it yeah. There's a few times where I'm like, I I read through them, and then I'm like, wait a minute, like this is I have to backtrack and like take notes, and then I'm like, no, fuck it, I'm gonna read through them because it doesn't make any sense to break it right here. Right. Yeah. Like sometimes it was almost like they just picked a line 
that was like really high tension to break it, even though it didn't make narrative sense because they're like, and cliffhanger. <laughs> yeah, that that bothered me, if I'm honest. Yeah. It, it wasn't a great decision, I think, but... You know. I don't know. Whatever. It might have been like you only have a certain amount of words or pages per chapter and otherwise you have to break it here. Yeah, and I did think that I, I didn't like numerically run the numbers or anything. This is like total gut feeling, but I did feel like the chapters in this book were longer than normal. Yeah. So I don't know if that's true or there's just more shit in them. I don't know. Um Yeah, so anyways, chapter two here. So Jake is struggling, rolls out of the door. Cassie says, you can't leave him, blah, blah, blah. Then, O'Horkpusher throws himself out the door after Jake, and Jake tumbles with him fighting and getting more sliced up, and he gets his ear cut off and then sees it on the blade of this Horkpusher. But Jake is able to get the upper hand, and as he stands up, he can see some of the mist clearing through this closing door, and Marco the gorilla coming through it, dragging Rachel behind him, who's screaming to let her fight. Less than six feet trailing them are a dozen Horkbizer. Axe grabs a pipe and jams it in this closing door. The gears grind, but they don't completely stop. With a whine, the door dislodges, and Marco and Rachel are able to slide through, but the Horkbizer, only a few feet behind them, don't make it through. At least not all in one piece. Jake yells, demorph, and they all start running up a staircase to the main street, demorphing and tumbling and falling. And they rush out into an attached parking garage and confuse attendants who look on as five kids in spandex and a hawk come flying out of the stairwell. They keep running. They wind up running into traffic where these cars have to slam on their brakes and are honking and trying to avoid hitting them. And this is where Cassie freezes in the street until Jake goes back and grabs her. She's started to cry and she's asking him how can she reconcile this, all this killing and killing sentient creatures and... He just drags her into an alley with the rest of the team, where they find Rachel and Marco arguing about Rachel's proclivity for fighting. Axe stumbles up from behind a dumpster in his human morph, and then after a minute they realize Tobias is gone. So Rachel goes eagle to go after him and find him. Cassie is still crying. Marco heads her home, and Jake asks Axe to make sure Cassie gets home okay before leaving and going home alone. Ah! Yeah, that was like... (laughs) There's a lot. <laughs> I So, apart from, like, a couple little things, I thought this was a really strong opening. And I was really excited yeah. for this book, just based off of the fact that the entire team is unraveling, and that's awesome. I mean, not awesome, but... Yeah. Extreme. No, but, like, yeah. really compelling. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. And fucking Marco, as a gorilla, dragging a grizzly bear, and then, like, lifting the door open... Mm-hmm. was, like, the most badass Marco moment we've had in a while. Like, amazing. Congratulations. Yeah. That and then, awesome. the like, so I, already, my, like, summary of this is very long. But, like, I didn't even include any of the details about Rachel and Marco's argument, which was, like, this really, I think a really good insight into where the team is headed. Like, it didn't so much seem like a normal mm. Marco-Rachel moment, but basically Marco was saying, like, You can't just run headlong into battle. I can't always be there to save your ass. You think that you can do these things, but you just can't, Nemo. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) And and then Rachel just being like, I could take them. You didn't know what I could do, blah, blah, blah. And Marco, like, you know, you were blind. Like, they have a whole narrative argument. It's not just, Mm -hmm. like, Yeah, I fucking loved it. Loved it so much. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. 
I I thought it was I also thought it was a little weird that Cassie just kind of like started breaking down crying there. Um Yeah. You know, again, especially after the last book where it was the aftermath of what was one of their worst battles ever, according to Jake. Yeah. And like she seems, you know, quote unquote fine then. So it's like why now? The only re- reactions I really felt were natural were, like, Jake's, Rachel's, and Marco's. And Ka- Cassie and Tobias, I felt a little more... The way it was written, it was a little more tell me instead of show me, I thought. Oh, yeah. And you know what? I didn't... Because I didn't actually look up what other book Ellen wrote before I got here, she totally makes a mention back to, like, her, the last book she wrote where oh, she's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Tobias hasn't been himself since he was tortured, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, wait, where did that come from? Yeah, it was out of nowhere. Like, <laughs> we haven't heard about his effects from that f- ever since it happened. Like, I think Rachel mentioned it once or twice, but, like, yeah. apart from that, it was, yeah, completely out of nowhere. But. Yeah. I don't huh. know. I liked the overall. <laughs> content and like the direction it was heading i just had a little problem with like cassie's and tobias's reactions i think but right and i would have accepted them had like later in the book we developed more about like okay cassie is it's all finally starting to hit her and like we see that development Mm -hmm. but like we we don't get that because there's like one more chapter before shit just hits the fan. <laughs> so, yeah. And Cassie's not in it, really. <laughs> yeah, and, like, j- again, jumping ahead quite a bit, but the fact that, like, most of this book kind of hinges on the fact that Cassie had that breakdown and Jake didn't really, you know, wasn't there for her, I mm-hmm. and that moment itself felt really contrived to me, that's what I think made the book a lot weaker. Yeah. So, again, that's, like, jumping way ahead, but... No, that's uh, totally fair because it it's all connected. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. Yeah, These were... and X doesn't even like have a reaction. X has nothing. Yeah, he's just the stoic second in command, I guess. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I these uh... these two chapters were my favorite from the book, but yeah. Yeah. And the only other mention I'll give to just, like, explain how not at all I remember this book was when Axe is coming out from behind the dumpster. I thought, oh, is this the next book that we're going to read? And then I'm like, oh, no. But it was just, like, a fleeting moment where <laughs> I was like, wait, where the fuck are we? <laughs> 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 like, I mean, I really, I remembered I, just the very beginning of this book and not this part like i remember from like not the next chapter the one after to maybe three quarters of the way through the book so interesting i don't know what my problem was (laughs) (laughs) i don't know i don't know this is one of the ones that like i've only read since becoming an adult so like i read it in college once and then a couple of the rereads i've done so I read this one like maybe three or four times and it still has apparently not made any impression on me whatsoever. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> uh. <laughs> um, yeah, let's keep going because I really, this next chapter was, I think, really good. Mm-hmm. Like it was really intense. So Jake gets home, he demorphs in a tree in his front yard and the whole time he's like, I know this is risky, but I literally can't stay awake for much longer. I'm so exhausted. Mm-hmm. I... I can't do it. So he drops out of the tree. He kind of falls to the ground. He's totally wiped out. 
He gets to the front door and he pauses. He's like, I should go get my regular clothes from the garage, but the garage is so far away. Tom won't be home. He's at the sharing on a Friday night. My parents will probably just think this is some sort of fashion thing. (laughs) So he pushes the door open. He runs into the kitchen to grab some cold pizza. And then he starts walking up the stairs to his room and he hears, hey, and it's Tom. And Jake starts like choking on his pizza. And of course, the first thing Tom says is like, why are you dressed like this? And Jake makes Mm. some comment like, oh, I was just at Marco's watching the game and like he got excited and jumped up and spilled Pepsi all over me. And, you know, I had to borrow some clothes. And Tom's like, well, you look terrible, but that's nothing new. And so he and Jake have this weird moment where like Jake runs up the stairs and kind of like play punches him in the gut. And like Tom pretends to like double over in pain and then trips him and blah, blah, blah. And like they act like they're like you know siblings that like play fight all the time Mm -hmm. and like it's really weird but like it's like okay i'll buy into it and then jake's like okay i'm tired i gotta go to bed i'll i'll see you later so he just gets into bed wearing his morphing clothes and he's about to fall asleep when tom opens the door and says wait was that blood on your leg and jake just is like uh yeah it's from my bike chain It, it came off again you know i really should ask dad to get me a new bike And then he just passes the fuck out. And he starts having this dream of Cassie walking away and Tom watching him. And Jake has this whole weird, I don't know what you call it. I've lost the vocabulary entirely. But basically, (laughs) he's dreaming that he's using one figure to plug this dam where behind it he can hear the crashing, roaring ocean and wondering how long he's going to be able to hold it. Whee! So that's the last chapter we have that is good i don't know good good yeah that that's true that was that was a pretty good chapter um i thought that was a really good lie that jake told um especially just like on the fly like that when he was that tired Mm -hmm. i like that he was making those kind of rookie mistakes because he was tired um Mm -hmm. and that tom got suspicious of that yeah and it's almost like he got a little too cocky as well yeah yeah I thought it was kind of weird to mention 41 books into this series that sometimes after you morph, the blood of your enemy stays on on your body. I was like, oh, that seems convenient. (laughs) Like, I'll believe it, but it seems convenient to bring it up now. Yeah, and, like, we've seen similar things happen. Like, we've seen, like, when uh, Cassie first quit the team, when she had, like, the hork stuff in her teeth that was, like, caught when she morphed back to human. Yeah, or, like, and, like, Marco with the ant head stuck in his side. Yeah, we've seen this shit happen before. Right. So it's just, it was a weird mention for sure. Yeah. And, like, also, for me, I was horrified that Jake got into bed in his disgusting, bloody clothes to sleep there. (laughs) It's like when someone gets into bed wearing shoes, I'm just like, unacceptable. (laughs) How could you? Uh, Let's get into the nonsensical part of this book, which is all of the rest of it. All of the rest of it until the final chapter, basically. Fuck. So... Jake wakes up to his alarm, but it's not his room, and this alarm is very futuristic. He tries to open the door to get out of his room, but the computer screeches at him that he is not ready for work. He then notices how large his hands are, so he looks in the mirror, and his worst fear is realized. He's a grown man. Ew! (laughs) Which is also my greatest fear. (laughs) 
he is himself, but he is older, and he thinks this must be an Elemis trick. But then why hasn't the Elemis spoken to me? Jake is pondering this when he realizes he must have finally just lost it, and this is his padded cell because he's gone insane. I would have taken that over what happened. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Christ. Oh, yeah. That was that whole chapter. It was just that. Um, and then we get to a very uncomfortable part of this entire book. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I know what it is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Jake looks around his room, which is, it does look like a weird padded cell, but it's kind of twisted. And as he says, like, it's the padded cell from hell. There's weird things retrofit over this old, disgusting apartment. So it has, like, the yellow linoleum and, like, the old floors, but then all of a sudden there's, like, a really technical wall panel, like, splitting the room. Uh, There's some weird toilet thing that was malfunctioning. It, like, tried to suck in his pant leg, and he thought that it was funny that this tech was malfunctioning in this way. Um, As he walked past another panel on the wall, it opened and slid out a tray of bacon, eggs, and orange juice in a blue beaker. And Jake was like, well, I'm not really hungry. So then he goes over to an area with what seems to be some sort of a window, and he's able to open the cover. And when he looks outside, he saw this horrific cityscape where everything was, like, metallic but dingy and just, like, you know, post-apocalyptic future kind of a vibe. Right. Jake notices that... There's these bug fighters flying past his window, and he has this whole panic of like, oh god, we're in open warfare now? What did I miss? How did I, how did this happen? And he watches where they're going, and he notices they're headed towards the Twin Towers, Aww. and he's like, I must be in New York. It's the World Trade Center. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's cringe. like, oh, this was before 9-11. This I is like barely it. before 9-11, though. I feel it's it only like the year is. before. Which yeah, makes it, it so much more horrible. It, it is horrible. Like, oh. And I, of course, like, th- this is not any sort of, like, knock on the book. No, 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 no. No way they could have <laughs> known. It's fine. It's just but, looking back on it now, it's like, yeah. oh, God. Yeah, it's a little bit of a heart punch there. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's Oof. really, it's really upset. Yeah. Ting. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. The other thing that he sees outside uh, after the bug fighters fly past is this really heavily modified Andalite fighter. And it's he's like, it's been totally like chopped and screwed to like glow red and look horrifying. And that was more distressing to him than anything else he had previously seen. And then the computer starts screeching, the air is compromised and tries to close the window on him. But Jake is like, no, and pushes it back open. And after just another moment of looking outside, the computer's like, this idling will not be tolerated. (laughs) (laughs) This computer is like my favorite character in this whole book. Yeah, computer's great. (laughs) Very stressed out at all times that nobody's (laughs) doing what they should be doing. (laughs) Hey, I do not tolerate disorder. (laughs) Hey, get out of here. (laughs) Hey, listen. Hey, listen. I also love that he, like, he tries to leave and, what are you, you're not even dressed. What do you think you're doing? Hey, get back here. (laughs) Hey, don't. Oh, shit. God. So, whatever just happened in this apartment, the computer decides Jake is now good to go in his orange jumpsuit that he woke up in because he does not change. (laughs) Um, so Jake's let out into the hallway of this dingy apartment building, and in the hallway you can, like, tell even more that this is just a modified old shitty apartment building. Mm -hmm. And there's all these other humans dressed in colored suits of 
different varieties, and they're all going out through this giant gaping hole in the wall of the apartment building into this area where every few seconds this hover car type thing lands, loads people, and then shoots away. And Jake follows them into one of the cars, and it seems to be this stripped-down bug fighter, so there's nothing in it but seats for human transport. And as soon as he sits down, these seatbelt things wrap around him and, like, all over his body, like his shoulders, his legs, his midsection. <laughs> and uh, before he could panic, the ship just takes off. And after another second, there's this person next to him. And Jake is just focused on, like, not puking at this point because this <laughs> thing's, like, pitching and rolling and going upside down and shit. And he's, like, being, like, kind of flipped all over the place. But this friendly <laughs> guy is like, hey, man. when's the launch? And Jake's like, who the fuck is this guy? Like, why is he talking to me? And he couldn't respond anyways. And so the guy's like, what, did you not have your coffee this morning or something? And then Jake's like latching on to only one part of this whole situation. And that is that the guy referred to Jake as Essek 241275. Jeez, York's got longer (laughs) numbers. Yeah, they did. That's like super. So like, imagine how many more of them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. See, that's a good example of inference right there, I think. Yeah. Um, so... So what happens next is Jake yells, My name is Jake! And everybody in the car turned to look at him. And Jake was like, This world is vastly different than the one I knew. I can tell because I went to New York once on a school field trip, and the only thing that anybody realized there was that you could do anything in New York without anybody batting an eye at you. Literally anything. And all he had to do was say one thing and everybody was looking at him. So after no one looks away, after a very long moment, he just says, sorry, sometimes I still have trouble controlling him, like meeting his host body. And all the other passengers are like, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then like somebody goes, hey, you know, the clinic has pills for that now. And then this car starts slowly emptying out and it's one suit color at a time so like he realizes like oh these suit colors correlate with what kind of job they do so like you know purple suits do like the blue collar work or whatever and Mm -hmm. so on so forth um and then finally they get to the final stop where it's just jake and one other person in an orange suit and when the car announces that this is the end of the line the other person looks expectantly at jake like let's go to work and uh, Jake just goes, no, no, I'm headed to the clinic. And they shot Jake this look of sympathy, like, yeah, that, okay, like, feel better, whatever, and <laughs> left. And as soon as he was alone, he says out loud again, my name is Jake. And he wants to say more, like, I'm not 25. I wear jeans, not a jumpsuit. I'm a kid, blah, blah, blah. Michael when Jordan, Michael Jordan. Not to. <laughs> Michael Jordan, I play basketball. <laughs> B-ball lover 24, whatever. <laughs> uh. But he listens to his gut. And does not yell this stuff out. And then he resolves to find the others, his team, his Animorphs, and try to get back to normal. He tells himself, you didn't plan this one out, but now it's time to deal with it. So, yes. (laughs) We're all in this together. (laughs) Jake is traveling at street level in New York. And there is nothing down here but quiet and filth. The transports are all levels above him, and he's quietly stalking the street, thinking about where to try and locate everyone. He determined Marco would be at an arcade, but there was too many of those to try and figure it out. (laughs) And Rachel would be in any store, at any location, in anywhere in New York. (laughs) Right. Um, So his final, his last-ditch effort was Cassie would be in the park probably feeding pigeons. 
Okay. Poisoning Jake. pigeons in the park. <laughs> Spring is here. A supper ring is okay. Anyways, so he's thinking this all through, and he's decided to go after where he thinks Cassie might be. But then he hears machine gun fire, and so he hits the ground. Once the firing stops, he hears this weird kind of clacking on the pavement. So he looks around the corner and sees a taxon. And he starts to fade back, looking for a place to hide out, when a red tail buzzes his head and goes flying past him, disappearing into some sort of mist or fog of the city. It's Pale Mail! It's Pale Mail! (laughs) Who has survived the apocalypse! (laughs) (laughs) And is also 35 years old. Criminy. This hawk does look super old, and he was missing feathers, and the skin around his eyes is really tight. And Jake calls out, Tobias? And takes a step after him. But this brings him out in front of the taxon, and as soon as they saw him, they start lumbering towards him. This was where it cut, but again, the cut made no sense. Like, Yeah. So I'm just going to continue here. So Jake runs blindly into the subway tunnel, where he runs into a man, who is only about three feet tall, and the guy asks, who sent you down here? Then they hear the taxon screeching behind them, and the guy just starts to run, and Jake follows him. They wind their way through a series of small tunnels, and they do lose the taxon, but as they get closer to the hub of where these tunnels are going, there's this horrific stench, and it was getting to be too much for Jake, whose vision is swimming, and he's, he thinks he's going to pass out. The three-foot-tall man says to Jake, since he looked fine physically, he must have a mental deficiency. And Jake just says, I must. They reach a room where there's all manner of people and alien gathered around a big stinking cesspool. There's children, there's maimed humans, there's hork with terrible injuries, there's andalites missing tail blades and stalk eyes. And Jake just starts backing up down this tunnel. The man's like, hey, if you leave now, you're not going to be able to last even a few hours. If you stay with us, we might be able to keep you alive for a month or two even. And oh Jake doesn't care. I know, right? Oh, yay. <laughs> um, Jake doesn't care. He keeps backing out of these tunnels and running, but he takes a wrong turn and is suddenly being sucked towards this giant subway tunnel. He turns and tries to run and get away, but the force is so strong that he can barely move. It's a taxon traveling system, like what they had back on the, the uh-huh. home world. Um, and he's soon spotted by two hungry taxon who come gnawing after him. And Jake is trying to run, trying to pull himself along. He grabs a bench and is muscling his way away. But the taxon are used to this, and they're slithering after him. Jake is desperately pulling himself away when one clamps down on his leg. And he's able to pull his leg out of its mouth, and that gives him enough of a boost to be able to grab a rung on a ladder... And he climbs his way up and out to street level and flops down on his back and then realizes he's not alone. That's where the chapter should have cut. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, there's a whole underground tunnel of misfit toys. (laughs) (laughs) That's basically what we found. One interesting thing I thought is the Andalites that were missing tail blades and stock eyes. And it's like, mm-hmm. oh, I wonder if when they when the Yorks obviously took the Andalites, if they somehow removed their ability to morph or the ones that or if these are, you know, Andalites like Myrtle who can't morph. See, I thought that maybe what happened because nobody has the morphing power here is that the Andalites were still able to keep the morphing cubes away. So even though the Yerks have Andalite host bodies and are, like, breeding them and coming up with more hosts, mm-hmm. they 
aren't the ones that are bred by yurks are not able to morph. Oh, interesting. So that was my theory. Mm-hmm. Because they, well, not to skip ahead, but they do mention that like there's rumors of an Andalite resistance still out in space. Sure. So it's enough of a throwaway. I don't feel that bad mentioning it a few chapters early. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Because I thought about that, too. I was like, wow, now there's, like, multiple. Because they make it sound, like, with Myrtle that it's super rare. Like, they have to be, yeah, yeah. like, allergic or whatever. Yeah, yeah, it's like a genetic thing or something. Right, exactly. But then again, like, it, it appears nobody has any sort of morphing powers in these yeah. books. Like, so, I don't know. Okay, so, now we get to these fucking new aliens. <laughs> So there's some weird-looking humanoidish creatures standing over Jake, talking to him in gibberish. They have three legs and giant necks and one giant eyeball where the iris is just kind of floating loose in a giant eyeball. And Jake can see right through their skin to all of their organs. And he makes, like, a note at this moment, like, they must not be on a planet with a lot of, like, predators or anything because, like then you could see all the vital areas that you're supposed to hit, so... (laughs) Kidney punch. Whatever. Kidney punch. And as these guys start questioning Jake, he can hear some sort of distant booming. And Jake starts answering questions very wrong because they're asking him things like, what's your home address? And Jake's like, (laughs) I don't fucking know. Um, And he answers enough of these questions wrong that they put him under arrest. And they're holding him when this boom sounds pretty close. And Jake uses a distraction to kind of like elbow one of these guys and get away a little bit. And then another boom sounds, but this one is extremely close and it just knocks him off his feet. And as he's laying there, he watches in shock as the building that he just kind of came out of, the lower floors are kind of exploding outwards. And these booms are just loud explosions. And then the building starts to sway And the bottom floors collapse and the whole building starts to just topple downwards. And Jake realizes he should have taken this moment as an excuse and run, but he couldn't even fathom doing anything at this point but crouching down and hoping to survive through this. And then everything goes black. Whew, another another cringing moment. (laughs) Yes, but again, only because we're looking back. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, oh my god, is this cringy. Uh-huh. Okay, so, he sees a woman covered head to toe in dust. He was staring down the barrel of her Draken gun, and she fired just over his head, hitting a taxon behind him. Jake realized that she was very familiar. But not too familiar. But not too not familiar. <laughs> <laughs> This book, The Familiar. (laughs) I was wondering when that was going to come into play. Yeah, that's literally the first thing I wrote when I saw the cover. (laughs) Um, So she looks at Jake with some recognition and even some softness. And then she bolts Hmm. and Jake follows. She ran and she's firing on Taxon as they surge after her. At one point, Jake tries to pick up a pipe and join this fight. But the Taxon have no interest in him. They're just going after her. They follow her into this large opera building, and Jake runs in a side door. It was this huge theater, and the woman runs behind a backdrop of a farm with horses, which is, like, really laying it on a little thick here. I wonder who this could be. (laughs) Who could this possibly be? 
And then Jake realizes that the draking gun that this woman is firing is getting weaker. So Jake tries to help by loosening the screens at the top of the stage and letting them drop and fall down on top of the taxon. It doesn't really help, but it kind of slows them down a little. And then finally the gun runs out of steam. She, The woman throws it at the taxon. Jake rushes over to help her up. And Jake just says, Cassie. And she smiles in an unkind way and says, so you're not dead. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> God. Yep. Cassie has changed. She kind of ignores Jake. I don't know what happened to the taxon, by the way. This chapter confused me, and they just kind of went away. Yeah. So I just kept, I just rolled with it. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, they're gone now. Goodbye. So Cassie has changed. She kind of ignores Jake and walks over to an emergency kit hidden in the orchestra pit nearby. She starts going through this kit with all of the bandages and things and fixing up her arm, which is broken? Question mark? Mm-hmm. Uh, Jake also notices that this kit contains some guns and bombs and detonators, and he realizes it was Cassie that blew up the building earlier that day, and he is horrified. Jake is like, that building was full of refugees. What were you thinking? Those are the people that you're trying to save. And Cassie just goes, it's war. Anything's fair in war. What the fuck? And Jake, I know. (laughs) There were like probably 10 other buildings you could have blown up. There's any number of buildings you could have blown up instead of that one. Fucking New York. It's made of buildings. It's nothing but buildings. God. Anyway. So uh, Jake tries telling her that just yesterday was the mission at the building where the kids, uh, the ragged, rag, I didn't write it down. I wrote it down later. Ragtime. But the (laughs) ragtime, the ragtime building where they were dancing their way through battle. Oh, God. (laughs) And uh, that they were just kids and that she had asked him how she was supposed to deal with all this. And Jake told her that intuition was spot on. You should feel that. You should feel bad. And Cassie tells him that those were the younger Halcyon days. They were just a blur of missions and idealism and we were all stupid. And now she was part of the EF, the evolutionist front. And that's when Jake realizes she's a controller. (gasps) Cassie's like, yeah, duh. A doy. And then... (laughs) shoved a draken gun into jake's hands as she starts talking about how the blast wasn't completely successful they would have to do some more damage and jake wondered what happened to his friend and how she had become so different and distant jake pointed out that the subway was gone the world is openly controlled the war was lost and cassie shot him an enraged look and said the war is not lost and then she spotted the badge on his chest and her expression changed This was a very confusing chapter. I read it like three times and I'm still not entirely sure what happened in that chapter. It was more about setting up the meeting between Jake and Cassie and them having this like big come to Jesus moment of like Cassie is inherently not who she was. Yeah, so one, one of the things that was unclear to me was like, yes, she's a controller, but mm-hmm. it's never really clear how much of it is her yerk and how much of it is her. It makes it seem like this is all her, but I don't know. Yeah, it. the only kind of feeling I got, and this is never confirmed or denied. This is totally, like, my take on it. But um, 
whenever Cassie is looking at him with that blank expression or like angry or that plotting, it's the yerk. Mm-hmm. And whenever she has that breakthrough of like she's looking at him with softness or, you know, anything other than that kind of anger or blankness, it's Cassie coming through. Hmm. And that was just my theory. And it's a lot more of the time, the rage and the blankness, it's only those few moments of the softness that I'm like, okay, that's like the real Cassie. Sure. Yeah. But I mean, just the way that Jake talks about her, it's like, my friend is so changed. And never is he like, oh, the yerk, man, I can't stand this yerk. This isn't my friend, blah, blah, blah. Like the way that Jake narrates it, it makes it sound like this is... Cassie all the time so it's very confusing to me and I don't like it yeah and even though there is the like if we go back into normal book times out of this book times Mm -hmm. there's the resistance like you know we know about Aftran and all that sort of stuff but like even though Jake knows about that it's not like he's comfortable with all of that or would like Cassie to be infested in that scenario right so um well, and just the fact that we don't know how much of it is Cassie versus how much of it is Yerk makes mm-hmm. the whole, like, thing weaker still. Because if Jake's like, oh, I should have comforted you that night because now you're, like, a battle-hardened badass like Rachel, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, okay, but that could be the Yerk. It, maybe Cassie is still the same Cassie. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't understand. <laughs> Fuck. This could all be the yerk and cassie could not be a voluntary controller yeah. and even though the yerk is part of the resistance it doesn't mean cassie wants yeah to be. exactly it's just oh i hate it i hate mm-hmm. it it's so weak it's it is and it's also spoiler question mark it's also just the plot of the fucking matrix <laughs> so <laughs> oh, shit. oh my god <laughs> Oh, right? No. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. This entire thing is Jake is the chosen one and he has to make the decision to save the world or save the person he loves. That's all this is oh. a setup for. Oh my god. Kids love the Matrix. <laughs> Who doesn't love the Matrix? Oh shit. Yikes. Okay. I guess we'll get back to this book. I guess. The familiar. That's what's so familiar about it is it's the Matrix. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> so Cassie has just realized that Jake works at the Chrysler building and she now likes him a lot yeah. and she's smiling at him but it's not a real smile it's kind of like a smile of somebody who knows that they can't like piss you off so they're trying to be super duper nice to you yeah. and she's like hey so what the Yerks are doing is they're building a giant laser gun to change the Earth's moon so it radiates Kendrona rays And if that happens, there's nothing anybody can do to turn it off. The Earth would become a huge hub of Yerk activity, and there would be free Kendrona for everybody. And Jake's like, I'm getting the slimiest sales pitch of all time. (laughs) And it even more horrifying was the fact that Cassie had that look on her face, that bright, passionate look. But instead of talking about people or animals that she cared about, she was just talking about terrorism and plotting. And Jake then yanks the pin off of his jumpsuit, which breaks her trance a bit, and yells, How did we even get here? And Cassie's like, Four score and ten years ago. (laughs) She's like, 
on the night that it all went down, Tom finally figured out that his brother was the Andalite bandit. And so he took you and Marco and Axe all at the same time in my barn. Rachel was killed outright. Tobias was the only one to escape. And then the music stand in front of them vaporizes. There's a taxon at the top of this orchestra pit that's shooting at them. Cassie returns fire and hits him in the hindquarters. So he tumbles down 15 feet into this pit and he was still alive. But as they retreated, she did turn around and fire one shot and kill him. And so Jake had this moment of like, she maimed him and left him to suffer. And then she did turn around and shoot him. And he's like, is it Cassie or is it not? And then they flee. Okay, so... How the fuck were Marco, Axe, and Jake all taken immediately in Cassie's barn, but Cassie herself wasn't caught until the next day? I have no idea. That makes no sense to me. It makes no sense at all. Uh. And like, I don't know. Like, the only thing here that even leads me to believe, like, that this isn't a total setup is like Cassie was telling him this, like he should have already known, like you idiot. Why? What's wrong with you? Mm -hmm. But like, this should have been more like, come on, Jake, you remember, how could you forget that day? Like there's none of that. It's just like, she launches into the history of it. It's like, Oh yeah. My, my next note after that is the first time I wrote, I don't like this book. So that's about the moment where I said, okay, I don't think this is going to get any better. Yeah. <laughs> it, me, I mean, it, there's there's some levity coming up that I enjoyed for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. So anyways, they're fleeing. Then there's a newspaper that was from only three weeks after the mission that they had just returned from. And Cassie is like, yeah, so we found out, you know, after we were captured that we were more than just a thorn in the Empire's side, that we were actually making a difference. And Jake starts asking more questions, like, but wait, what happened to everybody else? And what's going on? And Cassie's like, well, Axe was taken, and he's instrumental in the takeover of the Andalite homeworld. No. Marco's now Vizard too. Tobias had helped lead some free people for a while, but who knows where Tobias is now. And then Vizard 3 had become Vizard 1. And Jake could hardly believe it, but then Cassie tells him, you know, there's also still free people out in the countryside, people that have escaped and they fight to remain free. And so Jake resolves that he's going to help these people, that there is still a fight to be had. And Cassie's like, okay, but what you have to do is continue to go to work, don't do anything suspicious, listen and observe, and I'll send somebody to contact you. And then they're trying to decide on a keyword for this, while Jake contemplates how weird it is that Cassie is now the leader of this weird band that they have going on. And Jake's like, I think our password should be peace. And just for a moment, Cassie looks at him like she did before, full of hope and kindness and innocence, and she touches his face, and then she goes, that is foolish. How about Animorph? And Jake agrees, because he will do anything to get Cassie back. <laughs> Another weird chapter. <laughs> Sorry. Are you, are you puking a little bit? What's going on here? I'm going to start being an obstinate little rage monster, I think, from this point on. Okay, that's acceptable. Uh. Oh man. Um, okay, I let me get through this next chapter and then just tell you something that I loved. Okay. So Jake goes back to the Chrysler building and he took this huge elevator up. He makes small talk with people there and they're asking like, where where were you? And hey, boss, how's it going? And he's like, oh, I was just at the clinic and you know the host thing. And one guy's like, 
Yeah, oh, that sucks. But, like, just to warn you, the pills don't really work. You know, I have my host. He was part of the ACLU, so I I always hear about infringing on his rights and blah, blah, blah. It's maddening. The pills didn't really help. Kids don't know what that is. And then there's (laughs) an True. True. Um, then he has an Andalite coworker who kind of notices him looking towards the wreckage of the building that Cassie blew up earlier that day. And he makes a comment about like, man, those guys seem to grow stronger every day. And Jake's like, yup. And, uh, he realizes like the Andalite's actually speaking now with instead of annoyance with a real fear that they might be a threat. So Jake makes it up to his floor. He figures out that his cubicle number will match the one on his badge. So he makes it to his cubicle He looks around, noticing everybody wearing this silver earpiece. So he puts it in, and his computer just starts wigging out. Like, there's a model of the building on the screen, and it just starts, like, flipping around and, like, tumbling over and blah, blah, blah. And Jake quickly realizes that he controls it with his mind. So he slows it down. He, like, gets it to a normal speed. He's, like, figuring it out. But his entire team noticed, and they're all like, hey, man, are you okay? Like, is this... What's going on? He's like... Yeah, yeah, just giving my mind a minute to rest. Ha, 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 ha. And, like, my favorite thing that I wish this entire book was was just small talk between, like, the Andalites, the hork the human controllers all working in an office building. Oh, my God. (laughs) Office space, but with aliens. Oh, my God, yes. (laughs) It would be so good. Like, so, so good. Ugh. But it's not. That's not this book. Make that fanfic. Yeah, make that fanfic. <laughs> I just like there's so so many like little moments of like, hey man, what's going on? How you doing today? <laughs> and like the fact that they weren't acting like the yerks that we know in our normal timeline that are always super quiet, super suspicious, don't like give any like you yeah know, any indication of what they're thinking. And these guys are just like. How's it going? Oh, yeah, my host does that, too. Super bummer. Yeah, like, <laughs> that. Yeah, that's good. I like that. They're, yeah. like, fully assimilated and more casual now. Yeah, and, like, we get to see Yerks being just, like, oh, look, most of them are just kind of normal people, even though they're doing this terrible thing by infesting somebody. They also are kind of just normal? They're just like, like in their us. No. <laughs> no, they're not just like us. <sighs> but they are... More like us than I'd care to admit. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> uh. Okay. So, Jake looks back at this communal workstation where all of his coworkers are, the hork and everybody that are that had all turned to look at him and make sure he was okay. And all of the workers there had turned into rotting, maimed corpses. He knew he was having some sort of nightmare vision, but all he could see was the decomposing, limbless versions of themselves rotting away and full of maggots. And, like, just legs walking around, like, you know, really maimed, like, Halloween-type kind of, I don't know, cliched weird shit. And then a hork starts reaching towards him, and he tries to growl, but he doesn't have the voice box that he thought he did. And then there was a Lyran reaching for him, and every manner of alien that he had faced kind of coming towards him. And then a rat crawling on the ground towards him blindly, and he realizes, oh god, this is David. Gross. And then suddenly he was falling, and there's a howler beside him tumbling as well through space and time and... It was all too much. He finally yelled, and then his entire team starts going, Are you okay, man? What's going on? Is everything okay? And then 
Jake notices a commotion behind him. There's a security team headed in his direction, and the head of security looked very familiar. Then it hit Jake. The head of security was his dad. <sighs> da da done. Which never I, comes back into play. Pans again. out. No, not important. Not in important. Any way. Just completely inconsequential no point to this at all fucking hate it (laughs) 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 so the security guys are the orf which are those clear looking aliens we talked about earlier with the giant loose eyeball Mm -hmm. uh they grab jake and he said dad and his dad responded ah yes this is a coincidence indeed your host body is the offspring of my host body how strange (laughs) Um, and then he's just like, well, your host body was late for work and in the vicinity of the bombings earlier, so we're taking you in for questioning, so we think that you did it. And Jake started to feel like there's a little too much coincidence here. He's seen Tobias and Cassie, and now his dad is here, and he's like, there's some sort of timeline convergence here. Like, this isn't normal. So he tried to elbow the orf to get himself free. And then he's like, maybe these visible organs are a decoy to draw you into, like, places that aren't vital. So instead, he launches the hardest punch he possibly could into the clearest section of the orf's body. And the orf just, like, drops. It, it's passed out. He, he fucked this thing up. And then Jake tries the impossible. He tries to morph to Tiger. And then it works. And everyone is astounded, like, what? He's not... How did this happen? He's he's not an Andalite. What the fuck? And uh, everybody around him was shocked. He takes out most of the security team, and then he gets to his dad, who he just couldn't bring himself to take his dad out. Even as he was about to be shot, he just couldn't do it. And then something hits him in the back of the head, and his world goes black. So, like, they know who Jake is. The Yerks know who Jake is. So, why isn't it, like, in his file, Morph Capable? Right. One of the Bandalites. Right. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. How is his Yerk not, like, back out of this timeline? The whole thing is Jake was a worker with a Yerk. How is the Yerk not, like, morphing to Peregrine to fly home every day? Like. Yeah. Well, it begs the question, like, he doesn't have a Yerk. Now. Now. So why? I don't know. <laughs> I don't I don't know. I don't know anything. I don't fucking like here's the thing. If this book had been he did he did have a Yurk, but the Yurk was part of the EF and maybe mm-hmm. they were like kind of working together throughout this book, I think that would have been really interesting. But he just doesn't have a Yurk, but everyone thinks he does, which makes no sense. Yep. And fuck. And also, like, after a day goes by in Bookland, what if that was the end of the feeding cycle? So security shows up, like, hey, it's been three and a half days since you fed. What the fuck? Like, yeah. that's never even talked about. Yeah, and at this point in the book, like, actually, no, I'll bring this up later. Sorry. Okay, well, I'm going to keep complaining. How does Cassie even feed? Do they have a rogue yerk pool somewhere? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> We'll just keep going, okay. I guess, yeah. um, because shit, like, really starts to fall apart here. Yeah. Um, 
So Jake wakes up slowly in a sort of prison cell of a room, but the door is open and Jake is human again. And it looks like he can go through the door. So he tries to run, but of course the doorway is a force field and he bounces back. And then he hears a voice saying, you still have the fire in you. Blah, ha, ha, ha. And this man. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. A man approaches him, flanked by security, and Jake recognizes him, even though he looks so different and is scarred, which is just another thing that they mentioned that bothered me. (laughs) It's Marco. And he's he's like, (laughs) he's a Bond villain, Marco, and or Giovanni of Team Rocket, one of the two. (laughs) And like, anyways, I guess Marco's not morph capable either. So he's like, I thought you had been eliminated early on. So when I heard my old comrade was here, I had to come check it out myself. Why, why is it not, why don't they have a fucking mark on this? Why is this not in his profile somewhere? Why does Marco, Visor fucking two, not know that Jake is still alive? Like, yeah, I don't know. And I don't fucking fucking get why that whole like the past like two chapters i don't get how that fucking how that was necessary jake's dad coming to get him why couldn't it just been fucking marco showing up like you could have cut out those two scenes right you could have saved so much time i know that's another problem i have with this book is is like there's so many scenes that don't matter that are completely inconsequential that don't pay off they're just there for like atmosphere or whatever and they could have been cut yeah, Ugh. and you could have spent that time building out yeah. that, like, Marco and Jake meeting after this long, like, that should have been something much more consequential than this is. Yeah. And, like, it would have been so much more interesting had Marco shown up with security, and then after, like, he was arrested or whatever, Marco goes in there and, and like, says... Hey, can like, can you believe this? Can you like, blah blah blah, and like, pretends he's on his side, and Jake only finds out over the course of yeah. time through like, the one thing they mention is like, the year keeps trying to tap into Marco's humor, but it keeps coming out wrong, and so like, Jake slowly realizes that like, this isn't yeah. his friend. Like, this could have been a very cool reintroduction, and the same thing with Cassie too, like. He, it took him, I mean, he did have to figure out that she was a Yurk, but she was part of the EF, blah, blah, blah. Like, we could have had these, like, slow burns and really built on this. Yeah. Oh. Man. Yeah. Instead, we get this shitty scene. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'll just quickly go through this chapter, because it doesn't really fucking matter. But, um, yeah, so he thought Jake had been eliminated. Came to check it out himself, and then he tells Jack. Blah, blah, blah. Then he tells Jake that he will soon be infested, and mocks him by allowing Marco to speak. He's basically like, "Listen, Marco himself will tell you how great this is and how cool it is to share a brain." Ha ha ha! And then Marco's expression changes to like this shocked and confused, and like doesn't really know how to be in control anymore. But he lets out this really hesitant, like, "No, no, no." And then the Yurk just shuts him down and takes over again, which confused me because, like, what did the, was the Yurk trying to predict what Marco was going to say and was shocked that Marco didn't agree that this was great? Like, I don't understand this. I like, thought it was like a power play thing. Like, ooh, talk to your friend. Uh, look, it could have been. Yeah. Like, look how in control I am. Like, 
I'll just give you a little sneak peek of his horror and then just, just to, like, fuck you up. I don't know. Yeah. He's dumb. It was dumb. <laughs> um, and then they say this other thing where they tell Jake that they have a yerk lined up for him that's going to be much more cooperative. Uh, but they already think he's infested. So, like, they're giving the yerk in quotation marks that he already has a chance as opposed to the yerk they have lined up for him instead of just infesting him now. I'm, I don't really understand no. what the thought was there, no. but... That's kind of what happens. Uh, so, Marco asked Jake why he thought he wouldn't be caught hanging out in the streets with a known terrorist the day of an explosion and then not checking into work on time. And Jake's like, I don't know anything about this man at all. And Marco's like, well, I'll get you to talk. Wah, ha, ha, ha. And then some orf dragon Cassie who's kicking and screaming in like just this manic rage. And Marco's like... We're going to make you talk by torturing Cassie. And Cassie sends him this look like, say nothing. And Jake insists that he doesn't know anything about the EF. And that's when, like, Marco snaps his fingers and they bring in this, like, rabid, gigantic taxon who's held in some sort of, like, weird harness thing and the aliens controlling (laughs) it. It's like that grasshopper (laughs) from uh, A Bug's Life. Do you remember? Oh, my God. (laughs) Yes. Oh, Yeah. Pretty much. My God. That's yeah, the dangle her um, over the shark tank situation. Ugh. Oh, yeah. Exactly. And, like, the aliens controlling it all have, like, sharp sticks to keep it away from them. And then Marco's like, this taxon ate his entire colony on his homeworld. Mom, yup. Dad, yup. Cousins, yup. Blah, blah, blah. He's crazy. And he's crazy. Like, we tried to infest him, but, you know, he we figured he was better in his own natural state. So we're just going to let him do what he does best here. And Cassie could see Jake, like, trying to work through things. And she just tells him, I would rather die a hundred taxon deaths than give them anything. And Jake's like, I know she's serious, but I have a plan. And he's like, if, if you let her go, I'll cooperate. And that somebody's supposed to contact me and... You know, I don't know anything of their plan right now, so I'm just waiting. And Marco's like, okay, we'll have somebody follow you at all times, and here you go, and, like, lets him go. Jake's like, don't harm Cassie. And Marco did some, like, super fake, like, now why would I do that? Until Cassie spits right in his eye. He grabs her by her hair and, like, is obviously hurting her when he pulls her head back. He looks like he's about to do something. And then he just laughs and, like, lets her go and wipes the spit out of his eye. And Marco's like, I'll be watching as he leaves down the hallway. Like, stupid. <laughs> yeah, so stupid. <laughs> and then um, this is, I think, the most gregarious part where we're like, okay, this must be some sort of Elemis thing or dream sequence or whatever, because Jake just wakes up back at his console there's no transition no like i left for work showed up at work he just wakes up at his console Mm -hmm. and it says it's 6 36 p.m and work was over yeah and so he goes he grabbed like a mug at his desk that had somehow appeared with cold coffee yeah yes (sighs) yeah and uh he goes down the hover lift into The only part of this book that I truly loved. This weird Mexican street party. <laughs> what? Like, it's a mix between, like, a really cool, um, 
like Mexican street party and Thanksgiving. Like it's just a whole thing of like tacos and shit. Also there's pizza, but like this really cool pump and bass music with everybody dancing in the streets with like police siren lights like flashing oh, everywhere. They're in the streets? I thought they were like in like a fancy ballroom in a building or something. See what the no, fuck? Like, Where the fuck the was streets. I? <laughs> Well, I, I'm pretty sure they're in the streets. I could have read it wrong, but I read it like four well, times. Well, the fact because that I was like, Wait, you what? and I read completely different things and now we're both confused is another indicator, kind of, you know? Yeah. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Like, I got the total impression that, like, as he, like, was descending to the lower levels, he could hear this, like, street party happening, like, below him and just walked out into it from the building. Yeah. That was my impression of it. I don't know. The rest of my notes are in all caps, so just... I'll accept anything okay. at this point. <laughs> Perfect. Um, yeah. So he and also the, there's Taxon having a pie eating contest in the corner. <laughs> like what? <laughs> no. <sighs> yeah. And Jake makes some sort of comment. Like at least the Yurks realize that we need like entertainment and to decompress. I guess. <laughs> <sighs> so Jake is like. I realized how hungry I was, so he piles his plate with food, and then a hork attacks him and pins him against the wall, and acts like he's gonna beat the shit out of him, but then the hork is like, I'm an ally, and took off a bandana that was wrapped around one of his wrist blades Why? to show him this self-made brand. I don't Why did you know. have to attack him? Why couldn't you have just, like, snuck up next to him and just been like, hey, what's up? I have no idea. Stupid. All of it. I, I know nothing. I truly know nothing. (sighs) (laughs) Let the rage begin. (laughs) Yeah. So he's like, I'm a messenger, and here's what you're going to do. You're going to head towards a hovercraft, like you're going to leave, and then double back and go into the kitchen and kind of gestures towards where the kitchen is. And the horkbajer gave Jake a final push, like against the wall, to make it look real before leaving so Jake grabs a taco and kind of like dance walks away through the crowd and makes it to where the hover cars are. And there's this woman operating it who asks like, where to? And he told her and then he said, wait a minute, I'm still hungry. So he doubles back stupid. and it's so stupid. When he gets there, he heads for the kitchen and ducks in. And in the kitchen, he can hear this weird labored breathing from somewhere and then sees an incredibly deformed woman with, like, missing limbs and swollen shit. I forgot about uh, this. I hate this. (laughs) (laughs) And she only has one eye, one piercing blue eye. She then wheezes out the password to him. And Jake goes, wow, this is a really clever disguise. But then a moment later, he realizes, oh, God, this isn't a disguise. This woman is actually like this as she starts huffing out, like, really slowly, like, you don't even recognize me. And then she says something like, is it because I'm not kicking Yerk butt? And Jake was shocked, but then saw the same look she always had in her one blue eye and a sprig of dull blonde hair. And he's like, Cassie said you were dead. And Rachel responds, close, but not quite. How did you feel about this? Not great. No. Like, Like, I was mad because honestly, when Cassie was like, they took you and Axe and Marco immediately and they killed Rachel on sight. I was like, Mm -hmm. I am completely willing to believe that because I bet Rachel just went apeshit and fought and they probably like, 
you know, chopped her arm off and she still fought and they were like, this girl's insane. Let's just kill her. I would have bought that. Like, that's the only thing that made sense to me. And now she's suddenly back. And it's like, I, no. Fuck. Well, she's like, she's suddenly back. Why is she so fucked up? Why can't she breathe? What illness does she have? Why hasn't she morphed out of it? Right. She's in like a wheelchair. Like she can't even walk. She can't do anything. Right. I I don't I don't know. I feel like it was just supposed to be like shock angst factor and it just it did not work on me. <laughs> yeah, and I think they literally say in the next chapter that as Jake looks at all of Rachel's injuries, he looks at them like a catalog of every mistake he'd made. And I feel like it was only in there for that exact reason, yeah. but didn't make any sense in any other way. Yeah. So. It's just to add on to his, his guilt. Yeah. <sighs> yes. What? Yes, it is. Whatever. And there was no reason to see her at all. Nope. Like, she could have stayed dead. We could have skipped this. He could have met anyone at this point he could have like they could have skipped this entire like next four chapters yeah and just yep. transitioned into the library scene i wish they had because holy shit i because, am <laughs> yes yeah yes yep this is the point where i'm like i don't remember fucking any of this nope like did I block it out? <laughs> what happened? Oh, oh man. And like, the, okay, I'll say this before actually just telling you the entire next thing. And by the way, this is the one where I just didn't even separate chapters because it didn't make any sense right. where they did it. Yep. It made no sense to, yep. yeah. So I'm just going to read for a really long time. But um, this like next part could have given them the prompt for an entire other book that would have been pretty fucking cool here. Because they basically just said, like, we're going to make Brave New World happen Mm -hmm. in two chapters in this Matrix book that we wrote. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Oh, shit. Fuck. (laughs) So, uh, he, like, crouched down to look into Rachel's eyes because she's in this wheelchair And she starts telling him what to do. She's like, you have to run. You have to lose Marco's men. And every time Jake's like, why? She's like, we don't do questions. You got to get to the New York Public Library and get in there to meet someone. Well, who am I meeting? I said, we don't do questions. Like, it's fucking dumb. Yeah. Um, They're interrupted by an orf who walks in and says, explain your position. And he's like, oh, he could, the orf could only see me crouch down. He couldn't see Rachel from his position, whatever the fuck that means. And uh, Jake, Jake's like, ah, the tacos were bland. I'm looking for salsa. And there's like a few beats of silence. And then the orf goes, you are correct. These tacos are terrible. Bring the salsa to my table when you find it. <laughs> uh. And Rachel makes some comment like, at least now you know who to look out for. And Jake's like, okay, but like, who am I meeting? And she's like, no questions. Go away. And so Jake just like runs out of there. And he's like, I could immediately feel that I was being watched. 
So he tries zigzagging, but that doesn't shake them. He starts trying to run, and, like, at one point he runs, and he stops dead and turns, and that showed off where the Orf were, because apparently now, one detail that was never, ever mentioned before, and is never, ever mentioned again, is that the Orf can dim their their eyes, (sighs) so, like, you can't see them in the dark? The hell? The hell? They're weird floating eyes that apparently are also, like, mood rings, and, like, when they're angry, go red. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, which, again, is barely mentioned. It's, like, mentioned as something we should already know but have never been told before. God. <laughs> so he knew vaguely where they were now, and Jake tried morphing at this point, but nothing happened. But I was able to morph the tiger earlier. Yeah. Go fuck yourself. Whatever. Go fuck yourself, Jake. <laughs> uh... Whatever. So he takes off running, and he's like, I resolve to lose them anyways for Rachel. And so he takes off running. He can hear the orf behind him making the weirdest, most disgusting slapping noise with their weird three legs. Hate it. Hate it. Um, And he runs by a storefront that had been shattered in the earlier explosions, I think. Uh, Not really explained, so I just assumed that was why. He then jumps through the front of it, lands in a pile of sneakers and ice skates, which makes no sense but whatever (laughs) and he scrambles back up knocking things over behind him to try to slow down the orf and this was working he runs into the back and then he falls straight down through a black hole in an alice in wonderland-esque tunnel where he gets buoyed by air and flies down the tunnel at a high speed until he shot out the end of it and lands unexpectedly in soft grass he hears singing which did you totally read this as ooh-ah-ah-ah? Yes, I did. <laughs> yes! <laughs> it's just like a series of sounds, but the first three words are definitely ooh-ah-ah-ah. Perfect. Or four words. Ooh-ah-ah-ah. Uh. Get up, get- I thought they were singing Get Down With The Sickness. <laughs> so much. But in like a, a little children's choir? In a little children's ooh, choir ooh, of young children's... <laughs> yes Shit. a children's choir of thought speak and human voices of singing down with the sickness I, I had to read it like four times before i was convinced <laughs> it was not down with the sickness oh man yeah yeah so um he observes what's around him as he hit the ground the singing stops but he sees this giant tree with its branches bowed to the ground and children climbing all over it and playing on it and not just human children but orf and a few young andalites and even a lyran and there was a couple adults like an adult andalite and a couple adult humans and they all wore simple tunics and the children were invited at that moment to share what they had been working on this week and then one adult human female approaches Jake and says, he's like, is this where Cassie meant for me to go? And I've just been sucked through the floor. And the woman's like, ah, yes, not just anyone gets sucked through the floor. <laughs> it's the weirdest fucking thing you could say. I hate this entire fucking scene so goddamn much. <laughs> Everything is fuck? bad. Everything <laughs> about this is horrible and bad. And I hate it. It's truly awful. It is just truly awful. Um, And my notes get a bit weird here. I'm going to just admit I became an unreliable narrator because I hated this (laughs) chapter so much. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Um, So this 
he's like, what is this place? And she's like, we're part of the EF. We're where the freed children come once we've rescued them from the Yerks. And then he's like, what do you mean? And she's like, well, I will tell you and like lowers her voice. And she's like, there is this place called the Womps, which is where the Yerks raise their children by keeping them in large warehouses until they're 15. They don't allow them to read or make friends or whatever. They just feed them supplements and make them work out until they're 15. <laughs> and these are the few children that we are able to rescue. And this woman tells Jake about this, like, whole rescuing them and, like, bringing them to this freed land. And he's like, ah, this is where I belong. Ugh. It's like, wait, what? <laughs> so Jake goes to, like, check out the kids and, like, I don't know, have a moment with them. And he goes up to one of the kids that was just sharing, and this kid's like, Jake, do you want to see my painting? There's this whole other thing where he's like, oh, are you part of the EF? And Jake's like, I guess so. And the kid's like, I want to be like you when I grow up, blah, blah, blah. But whatever. The kid's like, I want to show you my painting. And, like, yeah. And this fucking kid, (laughs) there is no spoon. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck. Yeah. He's like, the elders all say that I'm really talented, and then, like, eye roll he's like my name's justice and this is liberty and that's Fuck off the elders insist on giving us these idea names oh my god <laughs> yeah but it gets worse because what this kid fucking painted oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> it was a canvas split on a diagonal and in part of it is this dystopian burning city and in the bottom of it was this blue skied green fluffy cloud and then i think he said there was like a zeppelin or something i don't give a shit (laughs) some other shit and then it was split in the middle by a thin rope only a thread and on this were people like clothes pinned to it that were being taken along against their will but their faces were not filled with horror but hope and blah blah. it was just fucking bullshit okay that is way too high of a concept for a child to properly artistically render and i call bullshit on it yeah i don't care how fucking precocious you are justice that is horseshit it's so horseshit. And then also Jake's like, wow, is this where you came from? And the kid's like, not you too. The elders are always telling me that I'm painting allegories. And you I'm don't like, know what that what? means. <laughs> what the fuck? What's next? Kiroskiro shading? <laughs> like, what the fuck you? Uh, yeah. Oh. Imagine the kid that does all the impressionist paintings and how he feels. Okay. He's like, these are my goddamn water lilies. And then they're like, fuck, fuck your water lilies. We only like the dystopian this allegory. Is, this is such bullshit. Like, I, I'm tempted to contact Liz, who teaches art to children, and be like, Liz, do you think a nine-year-old could come up with this? Like, no fucking way, man. Yeah, no way. Uh, no way at all. Allegories. These fuck are my you. allegories for how the people are just blah, 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 blah. Fuck you. And his name is Justice. <laughs> like, I, I know somebody named Liberty, and I love her, but Justice, Liberty, and Storm? Are you kidding me? <sighs> no. Are you fucking kidding me right now? I hate this whole thing. I hate this whole thing. I hate it. Like, these chapters started happening, and I was like, wow, I fucking hate this. <laughs> so much. Yep. Uh, yeah. Oh, no. oh, and then there was this part too, which 
I think in the hands of Applegate could have been really interesting. So, um, th like, the kid, you know, has the whole not you too thing, blah, blah, blah. And the kid's, like, then telling Jake how he wants to join the EF when he was older and, and save his friends that he had back in the factory. Um, and Jake was... How? I thought uh, all you did was work out and eat supplements. How were you allowed to make friends? Yes, precisely. Precisely a good question that should have been asked here, but it wasn't. Um, but yeah, so he's like, I want to I wanna rescue my friends and blah, blah, blah. And Jake was like debating, telling him like, you know, when you're saving people, you can't just save your friends. Sometimes like you have to save other people, blah, blah, blah. And like starts telling him this. And like from the perspective of we're in this series following a bunch of kids that are saving the world and Jake specifically having to make all these calls that directly involved his best friends, this could have been a very interesting conversation where we got insight into Jake and how his perspective has shifted since the beginning of the series and how he feels about it now. And like, it could have been a really cool thing, but instead it's these three throwaway lines before a kid pushes him into a tree trunk. Like, goodbye. Like, wait, what the fuck? Yeah. Yeah. There are a lot of moments in this book where it's like, oh, this is a really interesting idea. This could have been, oh, you didn't take it the way I wanted? Oh, okay. Well, that was your decision. Yeah. Like, the whole thing with Jake's dad and him like, oh, I can't kill my dad. How did that not bring up the whole Marco having to kill his mom and Jake yeah. realizing, like, I could never do what Mar Like, nope. Yeah. He's gone now. Bye-bye. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, oh, Cassie is fundamentally shifted as a person and is now, like, maybe not good, but also maybe it could just be her yerk. Ah, who cares? Yeah, fuck it. There's just too much. There was yeah, too much. Too many ideas. None of them came through. Yeah. None of them were tied up. Yeah. And I would have, like, if this book had turned into, even if it was still a dream sequence, but Jake went into this, found out about these kids being raised in warehouses, and spent the rest of the book... Even if he had run into Cassie and it was just the two of them trying to get these kids out and, like, making that sort of, like, we're adults now, but we see in, like, the kids were us and we want to do for them better than we were able to get and, like, you know, dying and stuff because of that. That would have been a pretty cool book. Mm-hmm. But, no, it's just, like, two throwaway chapters where we find out about this whole fucking, like, Brave New World shit and then, like... The kid just goes, well, you're going to be late and like pushes him into a tree trunk where like he turns around, it's closed. And then all of a sudden he's on a city street. And it's like, wait, what the fuck? Yep. This could have been great. But what the uh, fuck? Yep. Uh, Jake went into the city street. He continued on to the library. When he got to the library, he heard a red tail scream and then felt feathers brush past his face as Tobias, we assume, flew really close. He starts running after him, but Tobias disappeared into light. Maybe this time. Jake continues down the main aisle of this library looking down the dusty rows of books until he gets to E and he noticed that that section seems different than the others. So he turned down it and came face to face with Elfangor. Whoa. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So Jake opened by saying the EF was a force to be reckoned with and Elfangor replied, it sounds like you don't believe in our tactics. And Jake admits that he's kind of in awe of Elfangor, but also kind of disillusioned because how could he do this to them? So Jake has this outburst of like, this is all your fault. How could you put this on us, a bunch of kids? We were just kids. 
And Elfango replies, that's interesting coming from you, Jake. And when he says Jake, something shifted in his tone and the arrogance dropped and Jake recognized that voice. He goes, Tobias? And Tobias is like, yes, I decided to become a Nothlet of Axe 10 years ago, and now this body is a dead ringer for Elfangor. But Elfangor is dead, Jake, and so are you. Wait, 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 like, wait, 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 wait. None of that makes sense. None no. of that. None, None of that of makes that. sense. Not a single bit of that makes sense. And like, okay, is there, in this book, is there a more cliched line than Elfangor is dead and so are you, Jake? <sighs> fucking hate all of this <laughs> yeah so no no just shut up right. Let's, let this thing end it's so let bad it but like also so the next thing that that tobias elfangor does is tell jake a completely different story about the night that tom put it all together yeah like completely different than what cassie said yeah and it's never this is never reconciled. Like, this is never explained in any way. So, I don't get it. But, uh, yeah. So, Jake is, like, Tobias uh, tells him that, like, once Tom put it all together, that they were the Andalite Vandalites, blah, blah, blah. He ended up killing Jake in his bed. Like, his own brother killed him. And Tobias is, like, uh, what, what the fuck did I just write? <laughs> what? Oh, right. Sorry. This was just as confusing in the book as it is in my notes. Tobias <laughs> says something like, you are here, but you're not alive. But then you must go on this mission. But you are here, but not... Like, it's all this stupid bullshit talk. Like, you exist yeah. here, but you are not here. You are in the Matrix, but you exist elsewhere. But your right. body is here, and you can bend anything to your will. Fuck. What? <laughs> like... Uh, no. So then Tobias is like, you were the scientist that you were in the Yurk land. You have to play the scientist, go to the Chrysler building, change the calculations on the laser, even like a tenth of a percent off will do, and make the ray miss the moon. And Jake's like, what about Cassie? And Tobias is like, she's ready to die an honorable death. And Jake is like, but I don't want that to be her fate. And Tobias is like, remember the Ragson building where you made the choice to sacrifice Marco and Rachel. Your choices are Cassie or the Moon Ray, not both. <laughs> it's like, it's the Matrix. Oh my God. But bad. It's the Matrix, but bad. <laughs> yeah. Fuck. Uh. All of it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Fuck all of it. Oh. So, um, Jake flew towards the Chrysler building. He was able to morph a peregrine. Fantastic. Whatever. Um, and he, oh, sorry, I missed a whole part where he went running through the city screaming at the sky, I'm sorry. Fuck off. Fuck off with all that shit. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, blah, blah, blah. There's a shot above his head. Marco's men are back. He focuses to Peregrine, goes Peregrine, blah, blah, blah. He decides that he's going to save Cassie and he would just let everyone else die. Justice was like, I would save my friends. And Jake's like, but Justice was just a kid. And it's like, so are you. So basically, you're just saying what your decision is and justifying it. But whatever. 
Whatever. So Jake flies towards the Chrysler building. He notices people working. As he approaches, he notices that Cassie is strapped to the top of the building. No! And the laser is powering up. The gargoyles are like points of this laser with the green energy going towards a spire in the middle with the yellow energy. And also there's like an eagle statue in the mix somewhere that we don't hear about until the next chapter. And it has nothing at all to do with anything. So Jake's like, I don't know what to do. He starts heading towards Cassie and she's going smash the spire it, even a five-pound bird hitting this spire will knock it silly. They will destroy the ray for now. It'll buy us time. Blah, blah, blah. Like, she's giving all these very good reasons. Destroy the spire. This this is what will stop them from getting the moon to shift into Candrona rays. But Jake just keeps diving towards Cassie. And then, like, somehow she manages to break free and runs towards this right. eagle. I wasn't was sure if like, Jake, if, did fucking Jake free her or did she magically just get unfree? Like, what the fuck is going on? I think with his desire, he shifted the Matrix. Fuck to you! Bonds. Uh. <laughs> yeah. God. Um, but it gets worse. So, yeah, so Cassie runs towards this eagle that was emitting green light, which I don't know if that was one of the gargoyles and they just got confused. I assume so. Fuck. Who cares? Who cares? She body slams it. She shifts it. And she's like, but all that did was buy us some time. You still have to destroy the main spire. And then she's like, completely fuck the spire mission. The Orphrey capture her. And she goes, Jake, disable the main computer. It's like, what about smashing the spire? Where are we with this? (laughs) So, um, Cassie gets pulled in through this, like, hatch in the building that the Orph recaptured her through, and Jake dives through it. It's too small, so it ends up, like, shearing off his chest and, like, breaking all of his bird bones, and he slams into a wall, and, like, he's kind of going out of consciousness, and he's trying to tell himself to stay in, you know, just do it, keep your consciousness. And then there's a hawk perched on top of the eagle that Cassie shifted, saying, you must demorph. And so he does. Uh, and then as he runs towards the control room, he starts morphing a tiger. And when he enters, there's hork and Orf and Marco in the middle orchestrating all of it. And Cassie is bound and gagged in the corner. What the f- <laughs> Yeah. And Marco's like, give up. You can't do anything. And Jake starts fighting anyways. And like, he's whirling and slashing and getting these hork And then the orfs start attacking him. And he tries to bite through one, but it tastes like venom. And they start to drag Cassie away. And Marco's basically like, well, we're going to throw her off the building. And like a door opens and they're going to throw her off the building. And um, Jake's fighting to get to her. And then like, he forces himself to like, hang on to the orf, even though it tasted toxic. And he starts like, The orf is wrapping its way around Jake, crushing him, and Jake's, like, slamming him against the wall, and then Cassie gets pushed out of the building, and he goes, no, she's falling to her death right now, but then a second later, he just sees one hand come over the top and grab the edge, and he's smashing this orf to get free, the countdown clock is showing four seconds left until the beam goes, and he has the thought, saves what should be valued above all else, and there's a button on one side that says abort, a large red push button that says abort. Fuck. And then there's Cassie's hand hanging onto the end of the building, and he leaps, and then we cut to black. <laughs> and Jake hears this voice saying, 
interesting choice. This species has segmented minds, able to compare and contrast multiple things. Blah, 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 blah. This, this creature could bear more study. Blah, blah, blah. And Jake wakes up back in his room. And now everything is back to normal. It's a sunny day. His dad's making waffles and shit. And his mom's dicking around doing whatever. And Jake checks his hands and, like, brushes his face to make sure the stubble is gone and his hands look like child hands. And then he makes a phone call. It starts to ring and he starts replaying everything he has faced in the past dream sequence in his mind. And then the phone is picked up. He hears the voice he wants to hear above all else. And he says, it's Jake in a very shaky and unsure tone. And then he breathes and repeats, it's Jake. Cassie, I wanted to ask you what I should have asked you yesterday. Are you okay? And that's the end of this book. <laughs> Fuck this book. <laughs> How fun was that? I will tell you, <laughs> yeah. this is by far the worst Animorphs book, in my opinion. Like Worse I hate than it. Rachel being yes, because at least I knew what the fuck was going on in that book. <laughs> just awful. Like, just I I can't even like. There's so many fucking problems with it. There's so much fucking plot holes. You could have cut forty percent of this book, at least. And Mm -hmm. if you're going to do the whole, oh, it was all a dream, at least he could have, like, made the dream work for him or something. Because we realize, like, halfway through the book that this is a dream. And so, but you can't just use the whole, like, oh, this didn't make sense because it's a dream and dreams don't make sense. When you're basing so much of the story on things that do make sense. Like, it's just bad. Yep. It's just bad. It... (laughs) I'm not, it's a bad book. It's a bad book. And I'm, I know a real person worked on it and, but it's just, it, it wasn't successful and I did not like it. Yeah. And like, I don't feel bad saying like, oh, well, we're disparaging blah, blah, blah. Because we loved Ellen's first, like the Tobias book. Yeah. Fucking incredible. Yeah. But yeah, this one was not as successful. No. It. It needed several, several rounds of editing, at least. <laughs> it was just too many ideas for one book. Like, yeah, they should have pared it down to one or two things. Yeah. And like, like, I think if I was going to rewrite this book, like if I was the editor or whatever, I would have them focus on saving the kids and like Cassie being the terrorist aspect of this. And I would have that being... More of a slow burn where Jake immediately trusts Cassie and she is herself, or so it seems, and she's rescuing the kids and he thinks, of course, Cassie would be doing this and he helps her and blah, 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 and then slowly discovers that she is also doing these terroristic things that she tries to slowly justify with him. Like, that could have been a cool book. Yeah. And then we find out it's a dream sequence and Jake realizes, like, while Cassie hasn't fundamentally changed as a person, she in the future will break in this way that will make her not herself, and he has to do better for her to preserve that. And just make it about the two of them. Like, yeah. that's fine. I don't need to know about, like, weird wheelchair Rachel or Marco being visored too. Like, it wasn't necessary. Yeah, no. it's like, mention it, sure. That's like, oh, horrifying. How could Marco be visored? Blah, blah, blah. But, like, I don't know. We just didn't need the whole cast and crew to come back as the ghosts of Christmas past and future and tell us the message. Yeah. 
Yeah, I completely agree with that. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. That being said, I'm still going to stand by. I thought that, like, the action sequences were compelling. Like, it, it when Jake was, like, running and, like, dodging through stuff and it was, like, those intense sequences, it was still compelling, I think. Okay. And then he gets to the fucking tree kids and fuck that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's true. Okay. Each individual scene was fine. It was, I think it was the transitions I was having a problem with. Because then, like, all of a sudden they were over here. And I was like, wait, yeah. wait, wait, what? And, like, like go ahead. they never, well, I was just going to say, like, they never, with those transitions, they, they just kind of lean into it. Like, yep, we are going to cut to black, change scene. Like, what? No, you can do that. Like, it's possible to do that, but don't call it out to me. Let it just be a jump in the narrative, and I'll follow it and assume, like, I'll flesh out that bit. <laughs> you mean kind of like they did in Megamorphs 4? <laughs> yes. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Oh, shit. Not to mention, I think the whole blowing up the moon thing was a very bad idea, because you're gonna fuck up a lot of everything if you blow up the moon. Like it felt like an Austin Powers side plot. Yeah, like, we're gonna blow up the moon. Yeah, never mind the fact that the moon helps control the tides, and you know, we kind of need the moon. Right, and that, that Cassie would be like, "No, we have to protect it because of like you know what would we do without blah blah blah." blah. It's like, oh nope, they're just gonna try to fuck up the moon. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> <laughs> I'm so glad you made that Matrix comparison, though, because I was just like, I need something to hold on to. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. Oh, that's what it was, though. It it was just like... <sighs> the Matrix, <Yeah>. but bad. <laughs> it was just the Matrix, but, but bad. Oh, shit. Well, that was fun. Yeah. Should we rate our characters, I guess? Yeah. Uh, how do we feel about Cassie? I don't fucking know because we don't know if it was Cassie or not and she was pretty much just like a damsel in distress for the second half and that's the oh, okay, okay okay that's the other thing yes. I hated is you're trying to make this whole like will you save one or will you save many you're trying to make that choice that's fine mm -hmm. But don't do it several fucking times in a row. It kind of loses its impact. Like, the fact that they had Cassie bound and gagged, like, three separate occasions. It's like, okay, we get it. Fuck off. And, like, literally on the railroad tracks while Marco twists his mustache and goes, yeah! ha, 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 yeah. Just stop it. Okay. So that, yes. Yes, that point. Also... What I fucking hated was Cassie was introduced to us in this book as, like, the leader of a terrorist organization. Yes, that's all bad, bad like, blah, 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 not Cassie. So, on. okay, fine. But then in the second act, when she's brought in by Marco, captured and, like, squirming everything, and Cassie is, like, has lived in this world, knows what's happening, like, is the leader of this organization, and she's telling Jake, don't give them anything, let me die. And he's like, well, I know better. And it's like... No, fuck you, actually. You don't know better. Like, you don't know anything. Listen to Cassie. And, like, it didn't immediately read as, like, super sexist or anything like that in the book. But then she's once again tied to the rooftop going, no, no. Like, it's literally like if she was in a nightgown, I wouldn't have been surprised. Like, it's very fucking weird. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, my 
God. I don't know. Uh, fuck. I don't know. I don't I know. didn't really like anybody, if I'm honest. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, like, a. Well, I did like one character, but we'll get there. <laughs> I just, I feel like I can't really base judgments on anybody except just based off, like, the first two or three scenes. Yeah. Like, I really liked Jake in the first three scenes. But yeah. the rest of the book, it's like, I this didn't, I don't know. This didn't feel like our characters because none of them were acting like them because they were all just right. manifestations of Jake's guilt. And, and even then it felt like whatever this weird power is that's studying him via dream sequence, like they definitely had a hand in how the characters were acting that yeah. wasn't our kids so well okay do you think it was the mysterious voices that were like directing the dream or i think so because it made it sound like oh like they contrived this whole scenario of jake like having to choose one or the other in a very obvious way and then when he made the choice (laughs) to go after cassie like it felt very contrived so it was the mysterious beings that were writing all of these scenarios and they suck at writing (laughs) yes oh shit Yes, I think that's exactly it. I'm assuming they come back in future books. I mean, I, I don't know. Oh. I don't even know who it was. Because <laughs> if, if they don't, then that just docks more points off of this. Okay. Remembering um, that I didn't remember any of this book at all. Yeah. As far as I can recollect, we never hear anything about this ever again. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> No. Oh, no. I'm not fucking with you at all. All right. This book's going in the garbage. (laughs) Everybody gets a zero. This book's going in the garbage. It never happened as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. I mean, they might come back, but just like my recollection of like the next. (sighs) I mean, come on. We have 13 more books to go. As far as I can remember the next 13 books, they never come back. Okay. (laughs) Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I I didn't feel like Cassie was well written in this book. Even in the beginning scenes cuz I was like, why is she breaking yeah. down now? This makes no sense. And like she's really just kind of a plot point for Jake instead of a character. Yeah. yeah. Which is unfortunate. So, uh I like I kind of just wanted to give her just a middle of the road like Three, because you're right. Like, she wasn't a character. She was just a plot point. She had nothing to add to this book. So, like, just a placeholder. Like, three. She was there. She wasn't good or bad. She was just there. Yep. She was around. Yeah. I'll agree with that. Okay. Ugh. Then let's talk about... Why did I jump to Cassie? I have not a single clue. Let's talk about I mean, there were really only two characters in this book. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Two and a half. She was the second biggest. Yeah. Two and a half, three for Rachel? No, 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 no. Sorry. Are we going back oh. to Rachel? Yeah, let's let's talk about Rachel. Oh. She's fine in the first three chapters. <laughs> she was just a raging bear person that did not want to leave the fight, and then she was just a crazy grandma on a wheelchair. <laughs> that was her that was her character in this book. <laughs> yep, I guess. I mean, I guess yeah, I guess she was believable even though i don't i didn't really like her future outcome like mm-hmm. again i would rather she kind of just died no offense um no i think that would have been way better yeah 
Um, but she still acted like Rachel from the very little yeah. we saw from her. Yeah. Um. So, I I don't think I'm gonna give her a five just because she was such a minor character, but I will give sure. her a four. So she didn't actively offend me, so I'll I'll give her my normal five because okay. she's my favorite. So. <laughs> Uh, what about Tobias? He did, like, one thing. He, like, saved Rachel from a work <laughs> and then Yeah, he... and then he was a fucking dickwad. Yeah, and then he went AWOL, and then he was a dickwad in Jake's dream, so. Yeah, and impersonating Alfangor for reasons that I am not clear on. But it wasn't even Alfangor, right? It was Axe, who looked yeah, right, very much Axe like who, Alfangor. Yeah, yeah, and he used it to, like, fool Jake for a paragraph or two yeah. for no reason. Yeah. Two. Yeah, two. Uh, what about Axe? Who was not in the book at all. Well, I... Do you want me to give you my rating first? Yeah. I'm giving him a straight fucking five because the one thing Axe did in this book was put a pipe in the door so that Marco and Rachel could get the fuck out when Jake made the call to leave them behind. And he five. Was, and he was the only one who kind of kept his head at the end. Yes. Yes. Five for me for Axe. Yep. Easy. Okay. Yep. Same. Okay. <laughs> so arbitrary. <laughs> I'm not biased at all. <laughs> It's what about Marco? He was amazing in the first part of the book. Mm-hmm. Um, hated and his... And then he snidely whiplash. <laughs> and he said he's not... <laughs> uh, yeah, well, okay. I'm not going to count that as Marco. I'm going to count that as his yerk. Because we really only saw one little glimpse of Marco. True. And when that happened, the only thing he did was still tell Jake no, that he wasn't a willing host. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I see no reason not to give Marco a five because I agree. Based on those scenes. <laughs> uh. Uh. Yep. Uh, fucking A. What do we feel about Jake? Did he learn a lesson? I. He learned that he has to ask his girlfriend if she's okay when she's crying in the street. (laughs) 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 It broke us. We're dead. (laughs) Oh, shit. Like, what the fuck was that? Like... I wanted so, like, I was given such a glimmer of hope in the beginning when Jake had to make that decision over the few over the many and, like, something Jake has struggled with and something that we've had so many debates about internally with him and that, like, he's learning and, like, growing and and his opinions change as the war goes on and breaks him further and we're set up beautifully in the mm-hmm. first three chapters for this. And then the whole scenario with Tom and, like, his interactions with Tom, who's starting to become really suspicious and, like, something. And then, like, that promise was not delivered on. Mm-hmm. And I don't like that bait and switch. No. Like, like if based on the first three chapters, I I would give him a five. But then Mm -hmm. the rest of the book, I was just like, you're kind of an idiot and a tool. Yeah. And like, 
seeing Jake start to make mistakes because of how exhausted he is, like That's physically so and mentally, it was it was so there was such a big promise there that I wanted. Mm-hmm. It's like they dangled the carrot in front of me and then they slapped me in the face. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna give him a three because it's it's a five for the first three and then knock off two points as the book went on. I think that's where I'm at. I, I don't know. He was just a I, vehicle, really. That's that's what I feel about him. Okay. Well, if that okay. Okay. Okay, Casey. Okay. <laughs> okay. 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 <laughs> <laughs> like I okay, it's unfair. <laughs> It's unfair that I gave Cassie a three because we made the argument she wasn't a character, she was a plot device. And then when we get to Jake, I want to lower him from a three because he was just the vehicle for this weird dream sequence. But, like, I just don't feel like I want to give him a three. And yet, at the same time, it's not like any of the scenarios were his fault. And when he was put in the scenarios that these mysterious beings wrote, he did act jake like but i did miss the dialogue in his head that makes him so compelling when we read jake books yeah and also the first three chapters are what i really wanted yeah i guess i'll give him a three as well (sighs) it's not his fault that he was in this fucked up scenario i mean it's none of their fault right it's none of their fault that they were written in this way Yeah, that's fair. God. That is fair. And there's Ugh. no Eric, no Visor 3. Don't have to worry about that. Yeah. <sighs> and, like, I, I think part of this book is, like, it's already a very uh, gross feeling when the very first chapters of the book is, like, oh, we're in New York, and here's, like, the World Trade yeah. Center, and then they're blowing up buildings. And, like, that has nothing to do with the author or this book or anything like that, but it does give us like really weird, gross feelings. So yeah. it didn't age well. Like, it did not age well at like even a year after this book was published, it would have been like, oh, geez, yeah. <laughs> like, yikes. Yeah. So, man, for two years. Let's see. This one was published in 1999, I think. Was it? I thought we were in the 2000s uh, by now. Psh, 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 May 2000, yes. Yeah. So, yeah. Even, like, a year and a half later, it would have been, like, ugh. <sighs> Man. Just, yeah. Definitely my least yeah. favorite book of this series. <laughs> so I still far. think I hate Rachel's book worse. Really? Her leadership book worse. I think so. I think. I don't know. I feel like there were redeeming qualities about that book, though. Like, Axe quoting Teletubbies. Oh, At least it had good banter, you know? Not my chai. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was yeah. pretty bad, but, you know. Yeah. A- and it was shorter. Oh, yeah. That is, that would have been, that would have helped this book a lot. God, seriously, they could have cut most of this book and just streamlined it, and it would have been bearable, I think. Yeah. 
And also, once I got to page 135, I'm like, there's 10 pages left in this book. What the fuck are they going to do to wrap this up? <laughs> like, Because <laughs> 10 pages out, you're still in the throes of, like, weird action. Yeah. Ugh. I don't know. I'm ready to die now. Oh. Well, would you like to wrap up this podcast so we can go die? Yeah. Okay. Well, if... <laughs> If you want to, like, send me your thoughts about, like, I guess how you disagree with us that this book was not great, you can uh, <laughs> send those to me at anonymousanamorphs at gmail.com. You can post them publicly on Facebook on our uh, Animorphs Anonymous Facebook group, or you can publish it semi-publicly with only people who truly like us at the <laughs> super secret, super awesome group, which is facebook.com slash group slash Animorphs Anonymous. That's our Andalite Bandalites group. Uh, you can also check out our, our Insta Slam with a bunch of crazy pictures at Animorphs Anonymous or go on Twitter and tweet us at Animorphs Anon. Uh, you can find this episode and all of other episodes of our podcast on your favorite podcast hosting site. We are on sites like Spotify, Google Play, Pocket Cast, Stitcher, iTunes, anywhere you find your podcasts, really. Yes. Um, and tell me about your comic. I have a web comic that I make and draw. It is called Beside You. You can find that at bsideyoucomic.com. And it will be updating again in De- on December 11th. I don't know when this podcast is coming out. If it's already out, I don't know. But December 11th, mark your calendars. It's back. Booyah. I think this one will be December 15th so it'll be just yes. after okay go read my comic please thanks yay sweet cool we did it cries we did it let's uh wake up from this never-ending nightmare of this book wake me up wake me up inside that was in the matrix right <laughs> No, I don't think Evanescence was in the Matrix. Oh. Maybe they were. Oh. Let's Google it. And then we can finally end this. <laughs> okay, wait. Wait. Wait for it. Was Evanescence. I just associate Evanescence in... with the Matrix and like Linkin Park and all that like kind of new metal shit. Oh. Um, yeah, well, you would be correct to do that because um Apparently, there's multiple Matrix Evanescence things, and I don't know if it's fan-made or uh, not. like AMVs or whatever. Yeah, I guess, but I don't really know. Evanescence enters the Matrix. I don't know. You Who know, knows? Okay. If they were gonna do the Matrix thing, they should have been more blatant about it, and least on the whole, like, worm in the belly button thing. Or cool sunglasses thing. Yeah. The, drop an I know kung fu reference. Like, just just be blatant about it. Oh my god, Jake woke up. Kung fu practice. He's called up to the mat. He realizes he doesn't know kung fu, gets into a fight, starts fighting, and then he stops and he goes, whoa, I know kung fu. <laughs> then continue with the book. Perfect. We fixed We've it. We've done it. We fixed it. Okay. Bye. Okay, bye. <laughs> <laughs>